This week on the return of the Off the Crossbar podcast. It feels so good to be back. That's right, we are back, and it's about time. We've got a lot to get to, so we're going to talk to Tracy Kluski, head coach of Panther City, and we're going to talk to Mr. Number One, Jeff C. All that and more on OTCB. I am an outlaw. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the shame of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! I don't really care about your answer. I just can't wait. Fall, December, and lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League. So let's get into it. We have got a lot to get to because there has been a lot going on in the last month or so that gives us a lot to look forward to and exciting times for the NOL. First things first, let's take care of in-house keeping business. If you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Uh, I've been hearing from a lot of you fans over the last few weeks and months talking about Vegas, talking about the potential schedule, talking alignment. Still a lot of questions out there. and Hopefully in the next weeks and months, we'll be able to find some of those answers. But this week on the show to newsmakers in the world of lacrosse. The newest head coach of the Panther City Lacrosse Club, the first ever in franchise history, Tracy Koloski will stop by, the Hall of Famer. So we'll talk to him about the expansion draft and plans for free agency and moving towards the entry draft and how everything is working out for PCLC as they prepare for their first ever season in the NLL. We'll talk to Jeff Teat of the New York Riptide, who is currently playing in his first professional season with the PLL Atlas and already making a name for himself. But he's also the Riptide's number one pick, and they are excited to get him in Riptide colors inside Nassau Coliseum come December, and they can try and recreate 
what the Islanders did inside the Collie in that incredible playoff run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That place was absolutely buzzing. If you saw any of it on television or maybe even live if you're out there on Long Island. So we'll talk to both those guys here on the show and just get their thoughts on things. And for those that know Jeff Teed, he's not a very um, vocal guy. He's still a little shy. He's not a huge media person, but he's getting better and he's getting more used to it. And we have a great chat and we, we tell some stories and we have some laughs, but uh, we'll get to Tracy Klusky first in a few moments. But obviously, there was some big news in the National Lacrosse League over the last month, as I mentioned. And, you know, we can talk Hall of Fame. That was uh, a couple of months ago, I think now. I, I think you can all agree we've all lost track of time of how long ago things happened. Um, but we are getting a new class into the Hall of Fame. And this week, or maybe even next week on the Seals Pod, uh, I have a great chat with two of those members going into the 2021 NLL Hall of Fame class in Casey Powell and Kevin Finner, and two of the greatest Americans to ever pick up a stick. So make sure you keep your eyes open for that one over on the SEALs social networks. But that class in the Hall of Fame was long overdue. And I think the greatest thing that we can do as a Hall of Fame committee, um, as voters is get as many of those guys from yesteryear that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame. And for years, the voting process had been, you had to have 75% of the votes to get in. And what happened was, because there were so many talented players on those lists at the time, that they would be splitting votes between each other. Sure, there would be guys that were going to be locks and they were automatically, you know, going to get 100% of the vote. But as you got to that third, fourth tier guy, those were the guys that were splitting votes between each other and therefore, you know, getting close with 70% of the vote, 73% of the vote, 68% of the vote. They were right on the cusp, but due to the rules, they didn't exactly have the right amount. Therefore, they didn't get in logistically. And I always thought that was a bit of a tough look because those guys deserved to be in there. Like, I, I don't know how many times Finneran or Reggie Thorpe, even Casey Powell, when he was on there maybe once or twice uh, before the hiatus, how many times they came that close to getting enough votes, but they didn't because they're all splitting votes between each other. Well, now this year's a little bit different, and the way we're going to go forward as part of the voting committee is going to be different, and it's going to be the top three guys that get votes. No matter what the percentage is, the top three guys are going to go in. The executive committee of the Hall of Fame will then have final say. So say, say the third-place guy and the fourth-place guy are really close in votes. They can make the decision to, you know what, we're going to add that guy as well, which I think is fantastic. And then they're going to start to add veterans into the Hall of Fame. And those are guys that have been on the ballot for a couple of years. And because they get sort of pushed further down the queue, their likelihood of getting a top three vote may not be as strong because you're going to be adding more recent high profile guys to that list. So then they get put into the veteran category. 
and it's still a way for them to get into the Hall of Fame, which I think is fantastic. So this class going in is is one of, it is the biggest class, but I think it is the most well-rounded class in the National Lacrosse League's Hall of Fame history. Americans, Canadians, forward, defenders, we got two refs going in. And I think as we go along in this process, that builders category, so it'll be for referees, it'll be for executives, it'll be for owners, um, different people amongst that sort of category of a builder category. We're going to start to see some great names get inducted that through that channel as well. And I know as someone who is part of the committee, um, I don't have much of a say who goes on this, but they do listen to us. And there are some names of people that need to go into the Hall of Fame in that builders category. So I'm super excited for the future of the Hall of Fame. I know in talking with Jessica Berman and Nick Sakevich that there is hopes to, uh, at one point, find some sort of way to create a brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame. Somewhere where fans can go and see all these legends and check out memorabilia and paraphernalia and watch videos and stuff like that. So... It was a long time coming. I think we took like four or five years off from the Hall of Fame. Um, and it's now back. So let's embrace it. Let's enjoy it. And let's celebrate the greats of the past. New England is now Albany. They are the Firewolves. Um, Oliver Marty and, and his crew are going to be creating a great staff. They already have, uh, you know, coaches in place. Um but they are doing a wonderful job within that organization, uh, just marking their footprint in Albany because obviously the attack were there, and I don't want to say they left a bit of a sour note in the mouths of lacrosse fans in upstate New York when they left, but I think you know they now have to rekindle that fire and bring the fans back, and I think the fact that they already have an established lacrosse team that was at the time of the stoppage a year and a half ago the top team in the NLL East. They have the reigning goalie of the year. Um, I think that is going to help them get strong numbers in their fan base right out of the gate. And Albany fans love lacrosse. We see how much they support the University of Albany. And now you're able to get fans sort of east of Buffalo and east of Rochester, um, a team to cheer for. And just creates more hatred on that I-90 throughway rivalry because now you have three teams within, you know, two hours of each other, which I think is great for the game of lacrosse. And through all that, they've started the Upstate Collegiate Box Lacrosse League, which is an offshoot of U.S. Boxla. And so now not only are the fans getting the chance to watch more lacrosse, more young players are getting a chance to play indoor lacrosse. So um, we'll talk U.S. Boxla on a later show because there's so much great stuff going on. There's the California League now, the Connecticut uh, Colorado and upstate. There is a ton of collegiate American players now playing the box game and the talent there is gaining traction. So uh, that's for a future conversation, but um, Albany is the new New England and they're going to have great success uh, in central upstate New York, if that's actually a thing. Obviously, Las Vegas was the biggest, biggest news of the last little while and it's something that's been sort of in the works for quite some time. Obviously, during the stoppage year, we had the exhibition game at the Orleans between Colorado and San Diego. And with the success of that, um, Mr. Joe Sy 
put some irons in the fire, made some calls, had some conversations, got the approval to get another team, and he networked, and he used his contacts, and he went to Wayne Gretzky, who then went to Dustin Johnson, and then Joe Sy went to his Brooklyn Nets head coach, Steve Nash, who just happens to be a good Victoria boy, and they put this monster power group of ownership together. And they announced that they will be playing in the Mandalay Bay, which is an MGM property. And I think this is going to be absolutely outstanding for the National Lacrosse League. Vegas is a destination for sport gamblers worldwide and people in general worldwide. And the fact that we are going to be on the Strip in the Mandalay Bay, a place that, you know, I think can seat... Nine to 12,000, depending on the construction or the, the mock-up of how they do the arena. Um, they've had UFC games there. They've had uh, WNBA games there. So I'm super excited. Uh, obviously, we don't know name. We don't know general managers, coaches, any of that stuff. They still have a long time before they play. Um, but I would imagine in the coming months, as we get into the NLL season, we'll start to hear more and more as the time goes along. But this is going to be an incredible step for the National Lacrosse League. Uh, that will put us to 15 teams. We're one away sort of from where Nick Sakevich wanted to be by 2023. Um, so I don't know what that next team is going to be. Obviously, there's lots of speculation and people just throwing things at dartboard saying, you know, it's going to be Edmonton, Minnesota, Nashville, Dallas, Montreal. Who knows? But I would like to think for balance and scheduling that the next team becomes a Western Conference team or Western Division, whichever word you want to use, which would balance the league out in 16 teams to 8 and 8. Because right now, if you just split it East and West, we're including Fort Worth and including Las Vegas, we would be 7 and 8 for 15 teams. And once we get that 16th team, we can just split it right down the middle, have eight and eight, and then we can really just focus on letting those 16 teams grow, build the league, build the hype, continue to build the exposure, and go from there. Maybe put things on a little bit of a hold in the expansion portal, give these teams, like I said, a chance to really set their footing, not have them be losing players every year, um, and let the fans really grow within those, especially those newer markets um, that have not had a chance to see a lot of national lacrosse league action. There's nothing worse than getting a brand new team and the next year you lose one, two guys to expansion and stuff like that. So um, we're not there yet, obviously, but I think as we move towards that 16th team, I think that definitely needs to be a thought process for the national lacrosse league. And I think that is sort of in their plans, um, but we'll get those answers for you when we have the commissioner on. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. We'll talk Panther City Expansion Draft a little bit more in depth with Tracy Kolusky, uh, but I thought that they did a very good job. Uh, my mock draft wasn't close. Um, my secondary mock draft, after I had talked to a bunch of people sort of late night Monday, kind of changed, but my original, uh, I was picking sort of with my heart and not sort of with my mind, but at the same time, I was picking with my mind and not my heart, if that makes any sense. 
you know, I, I was thinking they would take a guy like Jackson Subak, who was a mimical guy, so he has ties to Steve Toll. And I thought they'd take a guy like Nick Weiss, who had ties from Peterborough with Tracy Koloski. That didn't go as planned. I never thought that they would take Ryan Banesh, but they did. And apparently, to some reports, Benny is all in and going to Fort Worth. I love the fact that they took Patrick Dodds. Good Victoria boy again. Hashtag it up. I actually talked to Dodds the other night at junior practice, and he's super pumped to get down there, be a part of that staff, and learn from the greats like Tracy Klusky, Dan Teat, and Steve Toll. So you know what? Let's just do it. Let's talk to Tracy Klusky. He is the first ever head coach of the Panther City Lacrosse Club. And he joins us right here on Off the Crossbow. TK, how are you, buddy? Eddie, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Um, what's new? Uh, you just got back home to Peterborough. You've uh, been traveling the world, being a sight here, <laughs> doing all the things. What's been going on? You know, I we uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a seemed like a, a long, long trip. But you know, got, obviously went out to uh, Fort Worth and, and Panther City to check out the. Uh, the new venue and uh, be a part of the expansion draft down in Fort Worth, which was, uh, which was unbelievable. And, you know, was able to, to get down to Connecticut and see the in-laws and for a couple of days as well. And now back in uh, the beautiful Peter patch. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it called the Peter patch before. Um, when you compare the Peter patch to Fort Worth, what's the biggest difference? Uh, there's a lot of differences. There's a lot of differences that, uh, you know what, uh, I was blown away. You know, I, I was blown away when I got out to Fort Worth. I obviously it's a long time coming with, uh, with COVID and everything. And, you know, since, uh, since, uh, you know, I've accepted the job and get offered the job, I've been kind of chomped at the bit to get there and, uh, an opportunity presented itself. And obviously with the expansion draft, I thought it was important to, to get down there and, and, you know, see, see it firsthand, but what a, what an amazing, uh, city obviously didn't get to see a whole lot um, I did get to see uh, the cathedral which is uh, Dickie's arena which is where we'll be playing out of and it's uh, you know quite quite the venue yeah um, and and really just got a little bit of a feel for the city in, in, in Fort Worth and you know again it, it was a brief brief visit and a business trip as always with uh, with the expansion draft but it was uh, it was awesome to get out there and, and just get acclimated you had uh, your own white cowboy hat from your time with the Roughnecks. Have you been refitted with a new Panther City cowboy hat? You know what? I, I dropped the ball I, when uh, when Hammer Bob Hamley picked us picked me up at the airport. I was like, I should have got off the plane with my cowboy hat. I, I, you know, I still have four or five of them kicking around from the old Calgary days. So uh, dying to wear it. Didn't didn't take it out, but uh, maybe even next time I'm in Fort Worth, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll it'll be a new purchase for sure. There we go. Um, so obviously the expansion draft was a big part of it, and we're going to touch into that. But let's go back in time to that first day where Bob Hamley called you and brought up the idea uh, of you being Panther City's first ever head coach. What were those conversations like, and and what was the selling point from Hammer that really turned the notch to for you to decide? Yeah, this is what I want. Well, you know what, I think, uh, you know, I'd be foolish to say that, Teddy, if, uh, you know, it's kind of, I've always had aspirations of being, a, you know, a head coach and, you know, I've, I've kind of, you know, spent the last six years being an assistant coach, both in New England and Philly and, you know, worked with some, with, with some and alongside some really, you know, intelligent men, right? And it's like, 
one of the things for me was, uh, you know, I've always, again, I've always wanted to be a head coach and I felt the time was right. Um, you know, obviously when the, when Bob came calling, um, I have some familiarity with him with, you know, competing against him. He was a part of team Canada the one year we, we went to the world indoors. So some familiarity there with the hammer. And again, really for me, it was, you know, you look at everything in, this, like in totality, right. And Greg Bibb and the team and, you know, you get snapshots of kind of what, what they're putting out there and what it's going to be like. So for me, it was, uh, you know, again, the opportunity to be a head coach, um, awesome. And then, you know, to see the team and, you know, the, the professionalism and, and what they're, what they want to build out in Fort Worth, it was like hook, line and sinker, right. I'm, 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 I want to be a part of this. Um, I'm ready to be a head coach in the National Lacrosse League. And, and really that was, that was the gist of it. Was it hard to convince Teeter and Toller to join you on the trip? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Right. Not like who's getting here. Right. Like two guys that, you know, obviously bring a wealth of knowledge and experience and, you know, Toller has been, you know, chomping at the bit to be a part of the NOL and, um, you know, both their resumes speak for themselves. And, you know, I, I have a working relationship, you know, more so with Dan, I mean, with, with Steve mm -hmm. than I, than I do with Dan, like in a, in a like a, a, a friendship. Um, you know, obviously I've known Dan a number of years, actually Dan was, you know, assistant coach when I was in, in Buffalo. So know both those guys real well. And, um, really it's just a conversation of, you know, let's collectively come together and let's create something special. And, you know, no different than, you know, your playing days. I've said to a lot of guys, I wore a C on my Jersey, but that's just a letter, mm -hmm. right? I, I'm a coach. Um, Toller's a coach. Teeter's a coach. Um, you know, Hammer's been around as a coach as well. We're collectively going to work at this thing together. Um, and obviously put the best players on the floor um, and, and systems and those sorts of things. But we're going to we're collectively going to build this thing um, as a group of men. What's what's Tracy Kluski's coaching style? What's your philosophy uh, going into the season for your new club? Uh, you know, I, I always, it's funny because it's, it, you know, you learn with your eyes as much as anything. Right. And, um, you know, I've had some, you know, really exceptional coaches back from my playing days, you know, with, with Chris Hall to Terry Sanderson to Troy accordingly, you know, some, some real great minds of the game and, you know, Jamie Batley and Peterborough. Um, so, and, and as of late, you know, working alongside guys like Glenn Clark and Paul Day, I always, I, I think if you asked me this five years ago, I, I would have told you I was going to, you know, almost be a, you know, <laughs> be similar to Terry Sanderson, you know, like expectations, uh, you know, hard nosed coach that, you know, really, um, you know, laid out those expectations and kind of <laughs> with lack of being putting it bluntly, like really being a hard ass. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, so that, to with that being said, I think over the last few years, again, you, you live and learn, right. And again, I, we're going to have expectations, um, you know, clearly identified, um, guys know the way I think most guys, uh, will, will come to know who I am. Like I wear my heart, in my sleeve, I'm a blue collar guy. I've always been a blue collar type guy. And, you know, you go out and you, you earn opportunities, um, and, and you work for everything you get. Right. So nothing, nothing, nothing's really going to change. I'm not going to change my identity now that I'm a head coach. You know, my, my, my message is to, to the group of men that we're bringing on is, um, you know, this is, this is quite the unique opportunity for all of us. Right. Myself as a head coach and, you know, you guys as players to, to come into a league, um, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, you know, they weren't pr protected um, and, and really, you know, an opportunity to elevate your game, an opportunity to learn. Um, I'm going to continue to learn. We're all going to continue to learn and really create a culture 
um, which is important to me as well of a, of a winning franchise. that's going to have a lot of, um, you know, a foundation for, for success for a long time. You guys have your foundation. Now you've got, you know, 13 picks turned into 16 players during the expansion draft. When you got the lists from all the clubs, um, obviously you immediately started planning and, and combing through those lists. What was the biggest surprise to you when, when you looked at those lists, do you think? Was there a name that you were truly shocked to see unprotected? I don't know if there's any real surprises. Again, we it's funny. It's like it's almost a year for me, right? It's mm-hmm. like you look at, again, hear the rumblings of the teams, you know, um, you know, the existing players and who, who potentially be protected. And again, we vetted lists for, for a long time. Um, and, and spent a lot of time and our planning, you know, our, my hat goes off to, you know, Hammer and his vision and obviously our coaching staff and our, our scouting staff with Kyle Gowdery, Jordan Cornfield and Ken Watson. You know, we put in a ton of hours, right, of, of vetting lists and I kind of had an idea of, you know, what was going to be available, you know, even a year ago. And then all of a sudden when you see those names and, and the players that you're going to get. You know, the big surprise to me is, I guess it doesn't come as a huge surprise because I've been a part of the league for a long time. Yeah. It's just the, the the depth, the depth of talent um, and, and the people that are in our league and how good the league really is, right? And, um, you know, to, to see guys, you know, certain names come up, yeah, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, the big surprise to me is, again, that there's a ton of talent out there, big, athletic, um, you know, guys that, that are available. And, and for me, it's that, that's, that's makes me real excited. Yeah. When, when you started putting sort of names to the side as names that you kind of wanted to focus on, what was the thought process? How did you want to build this team through an expansion draft? Cause we've seen, you know, San Diego, Philly, New York, Rochester, they've all gone through that in the, in the past few seasons, they've all kind of done it differently. Someone heavy O, someone heavy D young, old, whatever it may be. What was your game plan for your roster? I think, again, knowing kind of what was going to be out there, um, again, it's no surprise, I don't think, to anybody that that we built from the back end, you know, with some big athletic D guys, um, you know, and, and some some strong goaltending with both, uh, you know, Nick and Mr. Orderman, right? So we, we have, you know, we're really, we're really strong on the back end. And again, I, going back a year ago, you look at it, it's like, hey, it's going to be big, fast and athletic. Yeah. Right. And from a, from a strategic standpoint, um, you know, you start to shape some of the, you know, your ideology and, you know, what your team focus is going to be without getting into it too much. But, you know, I, I think again, we, 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 like, I'm pumped about what we got on the back end. Like, again, I, I think we're as, as good as, you know, well, I don't need to be putting anything on anybody's uh, whiteboard or phone <laughs> anybody, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm real happy with, with what we got from the back end. Yeah. Um, and again, then you get a, a real nice surprise and that a guy like ben, uh, Mr. Benash, right. Who is annually, you know, thrown 30 in <laughs> for his career. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then some, you know, some, some guys that we had high on our list, Malcolm was, was a guy we had high on our list as well. Obviously we had to, you know, give up Wardle for that. Um, uh, you know, Mr. Dodds out of Calgary, who's, you know, his, his resume speaks for itself and what he's been able to accomplish as a, as a, you know, a, a young man and a junior, junior, a lacrosse player. So, um, you know, getting a guy like Caputs on the front end. So again, I thought, I thought we rounded, we were able to round it out real well. Um, but, but no, no kidding. Who's kidding who? Like, I think again, anybody looks at it says, Hey, they're, they're building from the back end and big and big and athletic. And the one thing that I really like about it, Teddy is when it's all said and done, our average age is like 25 point something. 
Yeah. Right. Um, and it's important. It was important to me and Bob that um, if we're going to build, we're building. Right. And, and let's build with some young guys that um, truth be told, are very excited to do this alongside us um, and, and have them in our, our stable for, for a number of years and, and get to where we want to get to. I've been talk, talking to Pat Dawes because I see him every couple, every two times a week at Junior Shamrocks practice, and he's just absolutely thrilled and, and over the moon, and um, he's excited to get down there. How excited are you to to have a a young mind that is going to be uber talented, but has yet to see NL action? You can really mold him to not what you want to be, but what his true potential can be. Yeah, and again, I think that there's times where, you know, these guys are, you got to let the painters pick, paint the picture as well, right? These guys are where they are for a reason. And and certainly, again, we have some some great minds in the game, both Toler and Teeter, you know, are bringing exceptional wealth of knowledge to, you know, to the game and, you know, the X's and O's. And I certainly think that I bring a level of that as well. So, yeah, that that was one of the things when you're, when you're picking a team, um, obviously, you, you look for talent, right? Um, you know, coachable and coachability to me is like, is, is high on the list. Um, athletes that compete um, real high on the list. Um, and then, you know, a, a part of that list and you throw all this stuff in the blender is, is what type of, you know, person are they, you know, are they the people that you want to, you know, surround yourself with on a, on a week to week basis and, and know that there maybe are going to be some ups and downs on the road and are going to help you build a, you know, that culture that is, Everybody talks about it. You know, you got to have a, a team, team first culture and, uh, you know, a we versus me locker room. And really that was, that was an important part of the formula for us as well. And, you know, we did our homework on, on all the guys. And again, I'm thrilled about what they bring to the table from on the, on the floor. Right. And that's my job. Yeah. Right. Um, but again, knowing that we're going at this wholeheartedly and, and want to put together a, a, a team that's going to, again, survive for a lot of years and be a part of the community. That's an important facet that, uh, that was, that was inserted in the blender and, and real happy with how it came out. I think a lot of people were probably surprised that you guys took Banesh, uh, age where he's at in his career and then it's going on family life and work life and all that stuff. How committed, obviously you've talked to him, how committed is he to you guys to be a part of this organization? How happy is he to be a part of Panthers? I, I, I think he's chomping at the bit, you know, and I, I again, he's a guy that, um, and one of the things, again, when we talked about Ryan Benash is, I don't know if there's a person in the league that who doesn't have Ryan Benash and in, in hold Ryan Benash in high regard, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's always smiling. He's, you know, he's a team first guy. Um, obviously his ability uh, and what he's able to do um, on the floor speaks for itself as well. Like he's a future hall of famer in our league. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he's real, real excited about it. And knowing that again, we're going to put him in that spot to, to continue to have offensive success, but I think he's excited again, as a, you know, an older guy to come in and, and, you know, be a leader, you know, and, and show these guys what it looks like to be a professional, um, and, 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 and toe the line and, and, you know, elevate their game. Right. It, you have a veteran guy that's uh, that's likable, but really willing and wanting to to kind of share that, um, you know, amongst his peers. Um, that's invaluable, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You you guys have Nick Damood and Kevin Orleman, two young goalies who have been uh, you've used the word a couple of times, chomping at the bit to be a, a number one guy and a pro ready guy. And Nick's gotten some time with San Diego uh, in the shortened season. Kevin's still trying to find his minutes. What do you like about those two young guys and how good of a tandem can they be? 
Well, I, you know, their pedigree. I, I, I like that they've they've always been the the guy, right? They've come through, and obviously, both very young goaltenders that that want to make a mark on the NLL, and and that's what I really like. Is again, I can't I can't say it enough about you know the willingness to wanting to compete and be the best, right? And both these guys certainly have that. And again, I'll go back to you know the word opportunity, right? We're going to provide these guys, and, and truth be told, every player an opportunity. To, 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 to elevate their game and, and really make that mark on the NLL. And um, we're real confident in both these guys right off the get-go. And, and we're going to, again, let them compete for, um, you know, jobs and, and, and playing time and, and all those fun things. August 1st starts free agency. Uh, that will be a huge few weeks for you and your organization to try to fill out your roster a little bit. How active do you think you guys are going to be? And, and how quickly do you guys – expect to make a bit of a splash in free agency yeah i think like anybody right you obviously you got to add those veteran core pieces and in, in, into your group right and uh i think to without divulging too much like i think again we're gonna we're gonna you know there's some guys that we've have highlighted that we want to be a you know we're gonna put in some bids for and we want a part of, of panther city um and it, it's important to us but again I, again i look at what we have in, in part and parcel I think that sells to people too, that we're for real, right? Like, again, we only have what I know Bob said it a number of times. Um, and I've said it before too. We only get one crack at this and really, and, you know, I talked to my colleagues and, you know, different people in the league and, you know, by all accounts. And again, you think it was grain of salt because ultimately it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm real happy. I'm, I'm over the moon happy. And I know our coaching staff is and our management team's happy with, you know, the group of men that we have. And, and truth be told, we think that that's going to be something that people are saying, wow, these guys are serious. They've done a real good job here. Um, and, and maybe they want to be a part of it as well. So we're putting our best foot forward and we'll put our best foot forward at um, come free agency time as well. And, and, and really, you know, fill in some, fill in some more spots. And then we get to the draft in September, uh, another chance for you to add some very talented young talent. Um, there's obviously conversations with those top three guys probably going back to school. That's probably not going to play too much into your thought process, but how unfortunate it is obviously due to COVID, but that you're not going to get probably your first overall pick uh, in a uniform that first year. Yeah. And those are all things that, you know, without again, divulging too much, like we, we gotta, we gotta look at it and you know, who is going back and, but it is that the circumstances are kind of out of our hands. Right. Um, again, as a, as an expansion club, we need to, you know, we need to have players and we want to have quality players like now. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, we're going to, we'll get, we'll get to a uh, sorry entry draft. Um, we'll get to, we'll get to the entry draft, um, you know, very shortly. And I know we have talks like every week and that that's something that we're going to talk about here over the next, you know, two, three months prior to the entry draft. Um, again, we'll, we're going to have our meetings and we'll have discussions, but, um, first things first is like you said, free agency. Um, and obviously we'll, the, the planning process of what we're doing in the entry draft is we've already had those conversations as well, because, you know, everything's kind of tied in here, Teddy, as you know, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We're six months away from December, five months away from December and the start of what we all hope will be a brand new season. How special will it be for you uh, and the organization that first time the lights turn on in, in Dickey's arena and you guys host a lacrosse game in the National Lacrosse League? 
Uh, yep. Every, uh, every hair just stood up, Teddy. It's, uh, uh, like seriously, like I, I'm, I know I'm very excited about it. And again, it's, it's Texas. There's not a whole lot of indoor lacrosse going on in Texas. And again, I'm, again, I said Dickie's arena, the cathedral, whatever, like that arena, that venue, um, and, and really just, uh, you know, I look at, at the whole lacrosse guys and I, you know, as a player, we're pioneers, right? We want to, we want to bring this game. We want to showcase this game. I know I, I'm super excited to, to short, showcase our game and, you know, the awesome players we have a part of our franchise right now. We finally have a team. We're going to continue to build more of a team, but to actually step foot, um, you know, December on the floor at Dickey's arena um, in front of a, you know, a sold out crowd, um, or, or close to hopefully, um, is yeah, it's I'm, I'm <laughs> can't come soon enough, right? It can't come soon enough. Training camp, you know, like the you know, expansion can't come soon enough. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our first Zoom meeting with you know the guys that that we picked in, in expansion can't come soon enough. So, and I think that's that sentiment can be said with with anybody that's you know chomping at the bit to play lacrosse right now, um, in particular in the National Lacrosse League, which is as we all know, um, the best league in the world. TK, this has been awesome, man. Uh, congratulations on the first step of many firsts for the Panthers to the Cross Club expansion, entry draft, free agency, and then your first game. Soon enough, it'll be here, buddy. I appreciate the time. Best of luck and stay safe. Teddy, you're the best. Appreciate it, bud. There he is, Tracy Koloski of Panther City Lacrosse Club. One of my favorite guys to talk to about lacrosse, just his knowledge, his passion, the fire that lives inside his belly for this game. I don't see how anybody that was on that 13 list draft or 13 player draft list um, wouldn't want to go to Fort Worth and play for TK, Teeter, and Toller. Legends of the game that had a intensity like no other. All three of them were as intensely passionate for the game of lacrosse every time they stepped on the floor. Whether it was a practice, whether it was in the NLL, whether it was Canadian Summer, whenever it may be, Team Canada, look out. Because they were coming for blood. Even if you were their best friend, they would take a chop at you. They would give you a punch right in the chops. That is the leadership that Bob Hamley has instilled in these guys for that reason. And I think that coaching staff is going to do a wonderful job with all of those young minds that they get to mold and grow and help become a part of the National Cross League as staples in the Panther City community. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I look forward to seeing what they do in expand. Oh, sorry, in free agency. There's there are some rumblings, and we talked about it on our Lacrosse Flash mock draft roundtable with myself, Austin Stotts, and Austin Stotts. Austin Owens and Pat Gregoire that there are some definite free agents and unrestricted free agents out there that will be very intriguing for Bob Hamley and Tracy Klusky and staff. And obviously I I don't think this is tampering, but you know, when you look at uh, Dan Coates being a UFA um, for the Georgia swarm, and the fact that he has a good relationship with Bob Hamley from his time in Colorado, that 
that would be someone that they probably have their eye on to maybe bring in and possibly be their first ever captain. It will be very interesting to see what they do because there is a lot of talent out there in free agency. But you have to be careful when you're going after free agents because you want to, you know, sign those guys and try to keep them around for a long time. And it's not always easy. And with Fort Worth sort of being the furthest destination, maybe other than San Diego for Eastern guys, it will be sort of tough to get those guys to do a lot of travel because as we know in this league, as guys get older, they kind of want to stay a little closer to home. But as Tracy said, they are building something in Fort Worth with Panther City that guys are going to take a look at and say, wow, okay, I think that's something I want to be a part of. And that is very much like what Pat Merrill and Steve Govett did in San Diego and very much so what Paul Day did with Tracy Kluski in Philadelphia is they built something that free agents are going to want to be a part of. And in that first year in San Diego, you know, they got Dan Dawson, they got Garrett Billings, they got Kyle Buchanan. It is a culture. It is a team-oriented thing. When free agents see you are putting something special together, they want to be a part of it. And I think, I've never been there. I can't wait to get there. But Northern Texas in Fort Worth got to be a pretty cool spot and wouldn't be the worst place to spend six, seven, eight months of the year being a part of a community and culture of lacrosse that's growing. So I look forward to seeing what they do in the months and weeks to come. Of course, August 1st is the opening day of free agency. I highly expect them to be quite busy. And then come September, we'll have the entry draft. And kind of, I, I didn't allude to the three guys, but the three top guys on most people's draft boards right now are Jonathan Donville, Ryan Lanchbury, and DeHogan Anico. Those are your top three. Uh, Adam Charlton Beatties is up there, buddy. I don't think he cracks that top three. And it sounds like all three are going to be going back to college next year. And if that's the case, like I kind of posed the question to Tracy, that those guys aren't going to be available in that first National Lacrosse League season. And that could be a big hit, especially for an expansion team. If, you know, the guy you take first overall in your first ever entry draft isn't there for you. That can be kind of hard. But I don't think it's going to deter them from not picking any of those three guys first overall. So we'll get to that more in depth as we get closer to the draft. But that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. That it sounds like those top three guys are all going back to college and most likely won't be available for their NLL teams in that first year. But that's okay. It gives them another year of preparation at school to get bigger, faster, stronger, and then they can come into the league um, guns a-blazing. Much like when we talked to Jeff Teat in a little bit, that's what he did. You know, obviously COVID played a big role in that, but he had to go back for that other year, and unfortunately he didn't get to play lacrosse. But he's going to, and he currently is, for the PLL Atlas and eventually for the New York Riptide. And he is our next guest right here 
on the Off the Crossbar podcast. How are you, brother? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, from one island to another, I'm in Victoria, BC. You're uh, on Long Island uh, after a successful weekend in the PLL. How are you enjoying island life so far? Uh, good. It's uh, I've only been here for a couple of days, but it's fun. And um, I have a lot of buddies that you know, love this place to death. So they speak pretty highly of it. Are, are all the rumors true of how good Long Island can be? <laughs> I mean, I haven't been here too long, but uh, but it's been pretty good to me so far. So the uh, the PLL Atlas, uh, you guys have three games under your belt since you've been with the club. Um, what was the what was it like after having like two years off and then having to play that first game against the two time champs? Like, couldn't have been easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, eye opening. Uh, a little tough for me to to finally get going, but um, no, it was fun. It was good to be back out there playing, especially. You know, with, with that group of guys, it's fun to be around in the, in the locker room, on the field, um, that kind of stuff. And obviously that, that team is extremely, extremely good and extremely organized. So I don't know if that was the first team I'd pick to play against, but no, it's fun. Uh, you got your feet wet and, and you got yourself rolling and started to feel more comfortable. Did it, was it just sort of getting back into the rhythm of things to, to get yourself back to a, a place where you were comfortable playing again after that long break? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I'm used to like, um, you know, playing you know, two or three games a week, especially in box and then you know, playing weekly and practicing or games or whatever it is. So um, that was like my full my first like full speed real game in a while. So, yeah, yeah definitely took some time getting used to it, some comfortability. But um, yeah. What did you been do? What were you doing? Uh, obviously, you're at Cornell still, but what have you been really been doing to keep yourself active over the last couple of years? Yeah, I was, you know, keeping my stick in my hand, of course, working out, um, coaching some lacrosse. And then obviously, you know, since February, I was um, uh, up at school training with those guys that were there, the, the 15 guys, which is um, pretty fun. But um, other than that, keeping it simple. Is, is that a good group of guys up at Cornell? Uh, even though you guys didn't have that final year of lacrosse, that's a good group of guys to be around? Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, most of them. Uh, dropped out to get that year back, but um, the guys that didn't, you know, we had a blast. We trained together every day, and when you have, you know, that small of a group, you get even closer. So, I mean, we had a lot of fun, and um, it, was a, it, was, it was a lot of work. What's Cornell like as a school? Everyone talks about, you know, how their school has the best campus life, or the best academics, the best sports. What's Cornell like? I mean, I love it. It's um, it's kind of secluded up by itself, but. Um, um, I love it. Lots of hills. Um, weather changes day to day, cold, hot, rainy, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, that's what makes it special. So um, I, I loved it there, which is why you know, I, I took another year. And I know um, a lot of the guys that did the same thing would say the same thing. So how important was it for you to, to take that extra year? What, was there ever any questions or doubts that you wouldn't? Um, I mean, I wanted to go back. Uh, right away like that was like my first instinct and then obviously it's not just easy as oh yeah I want to go back there's some hoops to jump through and you know logistical stuff and obviously got to talk it over over with your family and they supported me which is great so um, you know as long as we can make it work somehow um, that was always the plan and if it didn't then obviously you know I'd move on. How special was it to, to hear your name first overall when the Riptide drafted you? Yeah it was cool I mean I feel like I've kind of been around this league a while, whether it's, you know, being a ball boy or just kind of watching games with 
um, you know, my dad or whatever it was back, you know, when I was a little kid. So yeah. finally, you know, being able to actually play in this league, it's that's exciting. You are part of a group now yourself, Tyson Gibson, Dyson Williams, um, a group of young kids that are sons of former national lacrosse leaguers. You're the next generation, literally. How special is that when you think about it, that your dads all grew up playing with and against each other. And now you as kids and now growing into the NLL, you guys are going to be growing up playing against each other. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's really cool. I think it's, um, you know, especially for me, it's kind of been cool to see how the game's kind of changed and evolved with, you know, being around going all those games, you know, years ago and then now seeing it now, it's, it's, it's been pretty cool to see how the games change. And then to be honest, you know, play with or against, you know, some of the guys that, you know, they got to do it with some of the guys that are still around. And um, I think that's probably one of the coolest parts. You got to be around Jim Veltman a lot in those Brampton days. Now he's your general manager. How have your communications been with him so far? It's good. Obviously, we haven't you know, done a whole lot, but, um, um, you know, the management here is great. They're extremely welcoming and, you know, those guys love lacrosse just as much as anybody. So it's been pretty easy. Uh, Scoop's a legend in his own right. Uh, how do you feel about playing under Dan Lattisur? Oh, I love it. I, I've uh, you know talked to him a fair amount, and um, I know he he loves the game and he's super passionate. And you can tell by just having a phone call with him that you know he all he wants to do is win. So um, that's certainly easy for somebody to play for. So when the Riptide take on Panther City, what's it going to be like seeing your dad on the other side uh, for the first time in a long time in your career in a box game? Yeah, it's going to be a first. It's going to be a little weird. Um, he's usually on, we're usually on the same bench in the same locker room, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure what it's going to be like. Probably a little weird, but I mean, once the game gets going, it'll probably go back to normal. Be be a normal thing. Who chirps? Who chirps? Who first? You or him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Probably probably neither. <laughs> um, you played with Tyson Gibson growing up. Uh, how excited are you? to be paired up with him again on the Riptide offense? Oh, super excited. Uh, we played together in Brampton for four years, so, um, and he's a super easy guy to play with. So, I mean, we instantly had chemistry and we had a lot of fun in those four years and you know, had some success with each other. So looking forward to getting back, playing with him along with, you know, a lot of the other guys, but I'm not super excited. He's extremely good and super easy to play with. What do you like about his game that, that makes him so easy to play with? Yeah, he can do a bit of everything. He can yeah. shoot the ball from outside, great off ball, great with the ball, got great vision. And, um, you know, he's you know, he's kind of easy going, just like me. So, um, you know, we got along. We can you know, talk off the floor, you know, easy to, easy to discuss things, you know, on the bench and stuff like that. So um, we just mesh really well. Uh, I'm sure you've watched a lot of National Lacrosse League over the last few years. How cool is it going to be to have Callum Crawford on the other side? Yeah, super excited to play with him also. I think, you know, just having him, you know, in the offense and along with a lot of the other guys, just, you know, having that confidence. And you know, once you get that chemistry going, I think it'll be, you know, a lot of fun and, you know, hopefully a lot of success. When did you sort of start to feel that you had the confidence to be a, a top-level lacrosse player? Was it an early age or did did the talk of, oh, Jeff Teat's going to be a number one guy come the NLL, did, did any of that pressure get to you? No, not really. I think, you know, just growing up, I just kind of wanted to just kind of play in the league, just kind of 
being around that atmosphere of, you know, the, the locker room and being around those guys and watching them, you know, have fun and, um, and, and shoot around and stuff like that. That was kind of my favorite part of running around during shoot around. But, um, no, I think I just kind of always wanted to play and then I really kind of clicked into my mind. And then, um, I don't know, as of, as of late, it's, it's been kind of, um, a lot of stuff going on, but other than that, no, I just kind of wanted to play in whatever team I could. What are the strengths of Jeff Teets lacrosse game in the indoors? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I just kind of, you know, go with the flow and um, kind of rely on, you know, my fundamentals and what I do best. Um, just kind of keep it simple. Use my brain. Um, <laughs> not the not the biggest guy out there, so I got to find ways to, you know, get around those bigger guys. But um, no, just have fun and enjoy it. You made the jump from junior to MSL pretty seamlessly. Do you think you'll be able to have that easy an adjustment from, you know, Canadian senior lacrosse to the national lacrosse league? Um, I mean, I, I hope so. I know it's definitely, you know, another jump. Um, you know, that, that MSL is ex extremely competitive and definitely, um, you know, a, a tough jump from you know, league to league. So um, obviously there's going to be another jump and, you know, some kinks to work through and, I know there's a there's a lot of guys to I know help help me and the other guys get through it. So um, you know I'm hoping to have a seamless one and um, just hope for the best. How special was it for you to put on the Canadian men's senior sweater for for a year and a summer in Israel? Oh man, that that was amazing. Um, you know, going back to you know what we talked about earlier is you know good amount of guys that you know played with you know my dad. Um, couple of years ago. So that, that, that was kind of um, a little surreal to play with those guys and, you know, under that coaching staff and that whole experience was incredible. Obviously, you know, we, we would have rather have a different result, but now that, that was incredible. Um, being around those guys and obviously it was really an incredible place. So um, the whole the overall experience was, was um, something that you, you know, you can't go back and replicate. So um, learned a lot and uh, had a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think, you know, when, when we talk about lacrosse, when, when we watch the world games, you know, they go to Australia and, and they go to England and Canada and the U.S. and sometimes different places in Central Europe. But I don't think many of us ever thought a world lacrosse event would be played in Israel. What was it like going to, to Israel and, and being in a, a very different culture? Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely um, different for all of us. Um, a little island thing, but... You know the, the atmosphere and the culture is great there is um you know that they, they support it tremendously and you know we had a lot of fun uh, being there um we weren't there for too long but um you know getting to you know kind of indulge in their culture a little bit was, was definitely something fun and um, would do it again uh you obviously played at a very young age with that canadian national team but you surpassed all expectations be by, by being one of the best players in the tournament did that inject a lot of confidence into your game knowing that you could hang with the best of the best um yeah definitely you know it gave some confidence but i think you know the the guys around me gave me a lot a lot more confidence and actually the performance um, um you know playing in those games i think just them you know believing in me and us believing in each other is definitely something that you know goes a long way and helps you in your own in your own way so it's a, the support system that those guys just give is you know one or two words or you know having a talk with them so i think i think those guys you know give you a lot more confidence than uh than, than may look on the outside.
your boy Jonathan Donville is probably going to be a, a number one pick in the National Cross League draft in, in a few months. Uh, what do you like about his game? Um, I, I was hoping we were going to be able to play together and, and box soon, but uh, I guess we'll see how that works out. But now he's, again, another one of those guys that's extremely fun to play with and um, extremely easy to play with. Uh, again, we, we match really well. Um, you know, we talk about like what we like to see out there and um, kind of look for each other, you know, pretty often. And uh, you now we had a good amount of success in the field, but um, you know, hopefully do that in, in the box one day. Drop the mitts with him if you get the chance. <laughs> no, he'd probably beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the world of lacrosse is obviously a very busy travel schedule for you. You know, weekends here, weekends there. You're, you're always kind of on the move. How are you adjusting to uh, the professional life of, of all the travel, but also uh, the media requests and having to do things like this? Because this isn't really sort of something you're the most comfortable with. But are you adjusting to the sort of the fact that you have to make yourself available? Um, yeah, it's definitely been um, a little different. Obviously, not, not something I'm used to, but um, especially the whole travel thing. I mean, um, done a lot for lacrosse, but a lot of my lacrosse either been played, you know, right out of Brampton. I played there my whole life in, in box, so I haven't done um, you know, much traveling outside of that. Um, obviously, field's a little different, but, um, you know, it's cool to kind of travel around, um, see some new places with some people. Uh, coach camps in different areas. Um, that's something I, I really enjoy and have fun with. So um, that's been good and looking forward to the future with that. And then, you know, the media stuff, um, you know, I just kind of understand that, um, you know, it, it, com it comes with the, the territory. So um, got to handle that business as well. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask uh, about the whole Brampton Excelsior's fiasco. Um, what are your thoughts on everything that's been going on? How important is and are the Excelsiors to the community of Brampton, Ontario? Yeah, def definitely been a little crazy and a lot of stuff going on uh, the inside that I I don't really know what's going on. But I, I don't mean, think any of us know what's going on really behind the scenes. Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I was fortunate to kind of grow up in that Brampton Excelsiors culture and um, you know be around when they, they won man cops and stuff like that and kind of go on the floor with them after. So, I mean, uh, I, I know what it's like and I know how much it means to you know a lot of those um, older guys that you know, want to see them play and um, hoping to play for them you know, soon, soon or sooner rather than later. And not too sure where that'll end up, but uh, obviously hoping for the best. Uh, I got a spot for you on the West Coast Island if you want to come west, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. All right, perfect. Um, as we get closer and closer to the fall and National Lacrosse League training camps, obviously um, the pace is going to pick up and you're going to have to kind of find another gear. But you're also going to be able to, like you said, travel around North America and see some great cities and some great places. Is there an arena you're excited to play in uh, other than Nassau Coliseum? Um, other than the Coliseum, I'm excited to, to definitely play in there. But um, I don't know, kind of, kind of, I'm kind of excited to see all the places. I know. I know. Um, you know, growing up, Buffalo is always uh, the big place to play, and their fan base is kind of crazy. And you know, being around, um, I guess it's the first Niagara Center. Now. I don't even know what it's called, but uh, that place is always bumping. So, um, you you talked about the quality of life and everything that goes on in Long Island. You watched how those fans supported the New York Islanders slash New York Saints in their epic playoff run. Um, how cool is it going to be to get in a Nassau Coliseum and have those fans support you? 
yeah, it's it's crazy how how much you know support those Islanders have, and um, you know you kind of see it. it's it's like a lifestyle, it's a passion. How much um, you know the, the people care for them, and obviously you know this this Coliseum right next to me. So um, no, I'm I'm excited to um, get in there and be a part of that. December third, the weekend, the National Cross League hopes to kick up again. How excited are you uh, going to be for your first pro game? You think? I think super excited, probably a little nervous too. I mean, yeah. box has definitely been on hold for everybody, to be honest, for um, a lot longer than we all expected. So I think that's going to be um, extremely fun weekend for, you know, everybody involved and um, looking to get back to, to normal box across. And hopefully, obviously, um, that that's kind of the, the target weekend right now. So this has been a lot of fun, my man. Uh, I appreciate you giving me some time. Uh, all the best over the weekends with the Atlas, and can't wait to see you inside the box with the Riptide. Appreciate it, Jeff. Of course. Thank you. Number one pick in the NLL entry draft, number one pick in the PLL college entry draft. That's Jeff Teat. And he will be suiting up alongside his good buddy, Tyson Gibson, for the New York Riptide. Coached by a couple guys that he grew up watching and Dan Latissour and Jim Veltman. And, you know, we talked about it um, a lot in previous shows before the pandemic stopped. We've talked about it um, for quite some time. The future of our game is so bright with the amount of talent, Canadian and American, um, that is coming through the college ranks and entering the league. But it is just so awesome to see the sons of former players now at the point where they are becoming superstars. You know, um, Tyson Gibson is already in the league. Jeff Teat is here. Um, Dyson Williams is coming. Uh, Steve Govett's son uh, is coming. And it is just so cool to see because these guys, or they're now men, but these, when they were kids, every weekend, they were traveling with their dads and they were hanging out in locker rooms and they were at pregame shoot arounds and they were on the floor with the guys and they got to see not only, you know, creatively and physically what it took to be a professional lacrosse player, but they also saw what it took, you know, how to act, how to prepare, um, how to hold yourself accountable and just be a good teammate. And those things go a long way by the time that they've gone through everything they've gone through to get to the National Lacrosse League. And I'm so excited to see Jake Govett and Dyson Williams and Jeff Teed and Mike Hazen's kid is going to be there. And it's just such a cool moment for those fathers to see their sons and the fact that most of those fathers are coaches in our league. So whether they're coaching with or coaching against their son, it's just such an incredible, incredible lineage to our sport that it just makes those stories so much more compelling when you can tell them. And that first game, Panther city versus the New York riptide. Oh boy. I cannot wait for the chirps between Jeff and Dan. It is going to be, phenomenal as we record the basis of this show breaking news in the national lacrosse league tsn the sports network canada's number one place for sports 
will be your home for the National Lacrosse League. Yes, that is right. A game of the week, playoffs, championship series, and then on the back end of the website, streaming on all their online platforms, we will pretty much have every National Lacrosse League game. It is finally here. Something we have all been begging and pleading and crying for. When will the National Lacrosse League get a national TV deal in Canada? It's here. And Joel Feld and Nick Sakevich and Jessica Berman have done an incredible job of working through this process. Yes, it's taken maybe far too long to get here, but it's not an easy task to do. There are so many logistical things that go into making this sort of deal that it was never going to happen overnight because you can't just flip a switch and broadcast lacrosse game. So much goes into it. So many people behind the scenes are needed and so much technical work is needed to produce and air any sort of sporting event live on television. And now we've got it. Sure, we don't have a schedule. We don't know when the games are going to start. Well, we do December 3rd, but we don't know which games are going to start on TSN. We don't know who's going to be calling the games. That is all still to be decided. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just enjoy the fact that we're all going to be able to sit home on a Friday or Saturday night, flip on the TV, and watch the NLL live in high def, full color, the comfort of your own home. Maybe even at a bar. Maybe even driving in your car, streaming it on your phone. Wherever you may be, you are going to take the National Lacrosse League with you and be able to watch. And more importantly, it will allow the casual, casual sports fan to be able to be flipping through the channels, stumble upon a lacrosse game and say, holy shit, what the heck is this? And stay on it and watch it and get hooked and then look up and say, hey, I wonder if I have a lacrosse team in my city. And then be like, oh my gosh. I do have a lacrosse team in my community. I'm going to go get tickets. I'm going to go good to see a game. And then they go to a game. And then they get hooked even more. And then they take a friend to the game. And then they take their family to the game. And next thing you know, they've got 10 season tickets and they're a 10-year season ticket holder. That is the momentum-building snowball that this will bring to the masses. And I am so here for it. Like I said, we have all been clamoring for this moment. And we finally have it. I cannot wait. We can hold ourselves over with Friday night PLL action on NBC and Peacock. And they're airing games. You know, when they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're usually airing a game of the week. And everything else is on their Peacock streaming channel on NBC Gold. So we can hold ourselves over till then. But once we get to November and we start training camps. And we get closer to that December 3rd opening weekend. Boy, lacrosse on TV is going to be something. Now, there is still conversations going on to try to get a deal done um, with an American network per service provider and a network to try to get games in the United States. Again, that is still in process, so keep your ears tuned. Hopefully, we'll be able to announce something to you soon. But at this point, the deal is just for Canadian fans. But 
again, let's keep our fingers crossed that American fans will have something along this line as well because we need more eyeballs, casual eyeballs, dedicated eyeballs, young eyeballs, old eyeballs, all the eyeballs. We need all of the eyeballs here. So let's get after it. I think I've caught us up pretty good. Um, there has been, you know, a, a long hiatus in this COVID break. And we haven't had a lot to talk about. But now that we've got the expansion draft done, we've got Vegas officially announced. Uh, Panther City has coaching and staff. Uh, we can really start to move forward and start to look ahead at free agency, the entry draft, camps, opening weekend, and all that good stuff. Because before you know it, in 16 weeks time, we're going to be into training camp. And a few more weeks after that, we're going to be starting the season. Then it's going to be Christmas and the new year. We're going to be in 2022. And we're going to be full steam ahead to crowning a Champions Cup winner. Calgary Roughnecks still technically the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the world. And we will see who the team is that takes it off their hands come June of 2022. But let's get there first. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate the time of Tracy Klusky and Jeff Teat for giving us some time to chat about life lax and all things in between. My name is Teddy Jenner. If you want, get a hold of me at Off the Crossbar and on Twitter or find me through email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I have missed talking to you all. I miss it. I'm so glad that we can start doing this again and get all our ducks and horses in a row and start talking about the National Lacrosse. We'll sprinkle some PLL in there. Uh, the Canadian Summer Junior Leagues are starting back up. So there's going to be lots to talk about. Final. And that's what we're all here for. Until we speak again, enjoy the summer weather, stay safe, and be excellent to each other.